Okay, uh, take your Bibles and remain seated. Go to Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy chapter number 4. And just remain seated. I'd like to uh, set the stage here for the message. Deuteronomy in chapter number 4. Appreciate the good preaching that went on uh, Wednesday. Brother Switzer preached. Uh, I was on time of vacation and, and uh, we enjoyed our time together as a family. I think it's important to take some vacation time, don't you? And get, get away. We were in southern Colorado and Pagosa Springs area. No humidity. <laughs> Drove back, you know, yesterday and just watched the thermometer in the car go up, you know, and as far as the temperature gauge and such and got out of the car and remembered what humidity was all of a sudden, you know, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, um, our theme this year, and, and I'm, I'd like to tie this into our consideration here today, is uh, love God's way. So, on one hand, we've thought about it as a noun, love, God's way. How, how do you describe love? Love God's way versus man's way. I think you'd agree there's a vast difference between the two. Love God's way versus love our way. Our love is fickle. God's love is steady. Um, I'm thankful for that. We're recipients of that. We're beneficiaries of God's steady, constant love. And then if you take it as a verb, um, in fact, even in an imperative form, love God's way. God exhorting us to love God's way. So we've been considering that um, out of 1 John along the way, but several different passages. And so John was writing because he was concerned about the church of, of his, churches of his time and, and how that culture was influencing those people uh, just like today, it's easy for us to live in an ungodly society to allow the culture to have more of an influence on us than us have an influence on the culture. And so John was concerned about that. And he wrote about God's love as a way to combat the wrong influences that were permeating their society. And the world has its own messages that is going out. Talked about the false prophets that were in their time and teaching their false doctrine. And so John was exhorting them to accept God's message. And so love God's way would distinguish them, would distinguish the believers from the unbelievers. And he was explaining how that, uh, just like really Jesus said, even back in John 13, hereby shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have what? Love one for another. Okay, and so that is a trademark, a hallmark of Biblical Christianity is the love that we're to have one for another. And that love, by the way, then is to translate into uh, being on the mission that God's on. You know, he, God uh, loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then he says this, that beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. If God loved us that way, if God so loved us, then in turn, we ought to love one another. And so we've been trying to get across this idea along the way and apply it. And that would be this, that those that have experienced God's love should extend God's love to others. Okay. We've, we've experienced God's love. And by the way, today, if you're here, maybe for the first time in church or first time, maybe in a while, let me just remind you today, God loves you, my friend. God manifested his love towards us. Here in his love, John said, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. 
And so God loves us as a fact. Angie, uh, my wife and I were talking about it and, and uh, she said it very well. She said, you know, uh, God loves us. That's a fact. We're to love one another. That's a choice. Amen. So Angie's quite a theologian. She was waxing eloquent there. And so that's quote worthy. Basically, it's saying this, you know, we've experienced God's love. We need to extend that love to others. And so along the way, we've been considering who do we show love to. And just a few Wednesday nights ago, even we talked about uh, showing God's love uh, to others, even that are deceived by the LGBTQ plus movement. Um, true love is to live according to what God's word says. And we're to love those that are trapped in, in uh, wrong thoughts, whether it's that particular lifestyle or alcohol or drugs or ju just this the sin nature that we all have. We all struggle with the same thing. And we all need to know love, God's love. And so this morning, I'd like to take that theme and apply it to today, you know, and this weekend being, you know, the time in which we're celebrating our independence. And I'm calling it this, loving our country God's way. Loving, let me make it very specific. Loving the United States of America, God's way. Can we love uh, the United States of America? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we should, but we've got to love America God's way. God's way. Stand in honor of God's word as we look at Deuteronomy in chapter number four, and we're reading about Israel, and, and obviously I recognize that we're not Israel, but we'll see principles here that, that certainly would translate into our day and time as well. And thinking about, okay, how are we just supposed to love uh, our nation? How are we uh, supposed to love our fellow uh, Americans and so forth? And how are we to love America? Let's look at, at Deuteronomy chapter number four. And it's a, it's a long chapter. We're not going to read all of it. I'm going I'm to do my best just to try to hit the high points along the way and uh, point out enough of it that you're going to get a sense of what Moses was preaching to the people of Israel as they're getting ready to go into the land of Canaan and to take the land. We'll explain more about that in just a moment. Verse 1, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Notice verse two. You shall not add unto the word which I command you. Neither shall you diminish aught from it. In other words, he's saying, you don't get to pick and choose here. And you sure don't need to add to what I've given you. That, the latter part of verse two, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Belpeor. For all the men that followed Belpeor, the Lord thy God, hath destroyed them from among you. All right, well, now we'll come back to that verse and explain it in a moment. Notice verse four, but ye that did what? Cleave unto the Lord your God are alive every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should what? Do so in the land, whither ye go to possess it. Keep 
therefore, and do them. So here's a, a great emphasis on this. I'm trying to point that out. Keep and do them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Why would they say that? Because they've been keeping God's law. They'd be like a city on a hill that's like a light to the other nations if they'd keep God's law. And then he says this verse 7. Now I realize this about Israel, but, uh, and which by the way, we ought to appreciate that and enjoy that itself. Thank God for Israel. For what nation is there so great? Who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I have set before you this day? And the answer would be, there's, there's, no, there's no nation like Israel. There really isn't. Because God chose them to bring salvation into the world through the Messiah and to bring the scriptures. I mean, the fact that we're holding the Bible today is because God blessed Israel. So he's making quite a point there. I want to come back to that as well. You say, man, we've got a lot to come back to. <clears throat> All right, verse nine. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them. Teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Teach them. If you want to keep this nation like it, it is, you got to teach them. All right, verse 15. Take you therefore good heed unto yourselves. Verse 16. We doing all right? Lest ye corrupt yourselves. Verse 20, the Lord hath taken you and brought you. He brought you out of Egypt to be unto him a people of inheritance. Verse 23, take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant. Look at verse 24, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. How about verse 25? When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remained long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image and, or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him in anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereon ye go over to Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but ye shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. Did God do that to them? He most certainly did. Why? Well, they forgot God's word. Oh, but how about verse 29? Here's the mercy and the grace of God, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou, thou shalt find him if thou seek him 
with all thy heart and with all thy soul. We'll stop our reading there. There's quite a bit more. I trust you'll stay for the rest of it. <laughs> how about loving God? How about loving America God's way? Mm. Loving America God's way. How to keep what we've been given. How to keep what we've been given. How to keep what we've been given. May God help us to keep what we've been given. Ronald Reagan said that, that freedom is only one generation away from extinction. Just one generation away. I wonder if we're more concerned about preserving the document of the Declaration of Independence and the freedoms that are contained therein. I'm thankful for the preservation of it. I've been there to the National Archives to see it, along with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But we better be more concerned about actually keeping the freedom than just the document itself. How to keep what we've been given. May God bless us and help us here today. You may be seated. I sure do appreciate you standing for a little bit longer time. In 1787, the Constitutional Convention met in Philadelphia for four months. At the end of that time, people were gathered outside as the delegates were leaving. And one individual, this story is told a couple of different ways, but I've heard it a couple of different ways nonetheless, said that a lady asked Benjamin Franklin, Doctor, what have you given us? A monarchy or a republic? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. Republic, if you can keep it. How many of you would agree it's, uh, it's a lot easier to, uh, to buy a house than to keep a house? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it's easy, you know, to you know, build up the ability to put the down payment on. And, and then, I mean, it's no easy process to sign your life away, right? I mean, it's no easy process to sign all the documents, you know, and uh, initial here, sign here and do all that. That's no easy process. But wouldn't you agree, it's a lot more challenging month by month to make the payments on it and to keep it up. It's one thing to get into a home. It's another thing to keep it. How about this? It's a lot easier to get married than to stay married. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to get married. I'm saying there's a lot of work that goes into that. Uh, but to stay married is a challenge. How about this? It's, uh, it's one thing to have children. It's another thing to raise them, right? So it's one thing to write a declaration of independence. It's another thing to actually keep that freedom. You see, as Moses wrote here in uh, Deuteronomy, and as he preached, this is really his second message, the book of Deuteronomy is, is going over the law that God gave them, and he's rehearsing this for them, knowing full well that he's not going to be able to go with them into the land, but he knows that they're going to go into the land, and he's concerned, he's concerned about them taking the land, taking possession of the land under Joshua's leadership. And that was, no, that was no small feat. That was no small task to, to go into Canaan and take the land that God had promised to give them and to defeat the Canaanites that lived within the land. I mean, that was very challenging. But the focus of the book of Deuteronomy and the focus of this particular message was not just on them taking the land, 
But what would happen a hundred years from the time in which they took the land? What would happen 200 years? Here we are, 246 years. I can easy, easily remember that. I just take my age and add 200 to it. I'm a bicentennial child, like maybe many of uh, you are here today. And so uh, what, it, what would the nation be like in 200 years from then? I'm talking about the nation Israel. And would they be able to keep the land? Would they be able to stay in the land? They would if. They would if. It's a sobering, staggering thought to think about where America will be in the next 200 years. Given our path. What kind of country will our grandkids grow up in? I want to thank God today that God has given America some awakenings along the way. Some wake-up calls. You know how that came about through preaching? The preaching of the Word of God and the people of God getting right with God and God gave them a measure of revival. And then they get away from God and God would call some more preachers to preach the Word and people get right and God give them revival again. I don't know how much longer we have, but... but um, I know that God wants us here. He's got us here to bring glory to Him, to lead souls to Christ. And I'm still glad to be an American. I like what uh, John Phillips uh, wrote. John Phillips said this. He said, the United States is still a bastion of faith, but it's also the home of Hollywood. What the United States of America needs is another Holy Spirit revival. Listen to this. He says that will put conviction back into the pulpits and pews. Amen right there. Put conviction back into the pulpits and the pews. Conscience back into government. Common sense, decency, and discipline back into the schools. Integrity back into business. Commitment back into marriage. And shame back into sin. Courage back into courts, character back into our leaders, safety back into our streets, purpose back into our youth. And God back into our national consciousness. Such a revival is the answer to our shame. How do we, um, how do we love America God's way? Maybe, uh, maybe you're like me at times, it's, there, there's a, that struggle. Uh, because first of all, I'm a Christian. And then I'm American. My citizenship, I have dual citizenship. Some of you have dual citizenship. Some of you have three citizenships. What I mean by that is my citizenship is first of all in heaven. And then I'm also blessed to have been born into America. And I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Some have dual citizenship that are here. I mean, you have citizenship here and then maybe you have citizenship elsewhere in another country. Maybe you're, you're saved and you have citizenship in heaven. <laughs> How do I love my homeland of, of heaven and my homeland of America? How do we keep it? How do we keep what we've been given? 
I, I just want to point out four things here from the text. And believe it or not, they're alliterated. You're not very used to me using the same letter for main points. So here we go. First of all is this. We've got to listen to God's word. Listen. Hearken. The word hearken is used 82 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Hearken, hearken, listen, listen, hearken. <laughs> over and over. And uh, obviously Moses is wanting to make sure that they hear him loud and clear. You listen to this? Hearken. That's the first job of all of us as believers is come to church ready to listen. Hearken. Hearken, he says. Listen, it's used 11 times in this, in this particular chapter. And here they are on the, on the very brink of going into land. And Moses is saying, listen, you got to listen to what God said to you. There are two cultures. Listen, there are two cultures that are constantly speaking to you as a believer. Uh, one would be God speaking to you. God, God's voice came to Adam and Eve in the garden. But I want to tell you something. There was another voice that was there in that garden. And that was the voice of the serpent. That was the voice of the evil one of Satan that was speaking to them. And I want to say to you here today that there are two voices essentially that are speaking to all of us today. There's God's voice that is speaking to us from his word. But then there's also the voice of the enemy of God, Satan, and the culture that represents that. And it's got a very loud voice in our society today. Two cultures are calling to you and they're pulling you and they're pulling your family and in different directions and away from God. And listen, without the Bible, we have no access to the mind of God, dear friend. We need the word of God. Our country needs to desperately get back to the word of God again and, and say and see, here's what the Lord says. He taught them God's word not to enslave them, but to help them in life, to give them boundaries that would be for their own good. I'll tell you, while we were driving from uh, Highway 285, if you ever want a beautiful view, just drive up to Denver, then go 285 down to Pagosa Springs area. And my soul is majestic, breathtaking. And thank God for guardrails. <laughs> That's right. Those guardrails are there for your own good. The road is there for your own good. Hey, listen, God's word is here for our own good. We ought not say, I don't, I don't want these constraints on me. I want to live the way that I want to live. And you drive off a mountain. I remember when we had the Labor Day picnic at Heartland Baptist Bible College when the boys were real little. I, I remember Trevor especially, uh, he got out of the car because, you know, there's inflatables there and there's all these games. They're going to play some softball later on and, and all that. And he jumped out of the car and he said this, hey, I know what I can do and what I can't do. And he ran off. <laughs> I know what I can do. Now, as, as I got all wiser, I began to say, now, listen, let me go over the boundaries with you. And Trenton, I think it was, that asked, what are boundaries? What are boundaries? That's a good question. What are boundaries? You know, here we can feel confined by the boundaries that God gives us. But the boundaries that God gives us are for our own good. The word that God gave here is for our own good. Don't add anything to it. Don't take away from it. Just let it guide your life. So number one, listen. If we're going to love America God's way, and really I'm, I'm just talking to you this morning about living the Christian life. Because the best way, I'll just tell you up front, the best way to love America God's way is to be the believer, be the Christian that God made you to be. Yeah. 
And that means, in fact, if you're not saved today, God will save you. He loves you and died on the cross to save you from your sin. And He'll save you this very day. But I know that the vast majority of you here today are born again. You are into the family of God. Your citizenship is in heaven, but you're also living here on this earth. And there's voices of this culture that are screaming at you and telling you not to worry about God's laws, not to worry about God's way. But I want to exhort you here this morning, listen to what God says. Don't listen to what the world says. Don't listen to what culture says. The world will tell you that drinking's okay. The world will tell you that sex outside of marriage is okay. The world will tell you all kinds of things that will really mess your life up. You listen to what God says. Don't listen to what the world says. Number one is listen. Number two is learn. Learn. Learn from your past. Learn from the past. Oh, may God help us right here in the United States of America to learn from our past. Nearly the miraculous things that God did in, a, in founding even this country. I mean, when you read about it and you, you read about that, that continental army and some of the things that took place there was miraculous. But, but I'm talking here also about Israel and how that God parted the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. How God delivered them from their enemies when they were such a, a weak army in themselves, but God protected them. Hey, listen, they need to look back and remember their history. We need to look back and remember our history. And there are those that are trying to rewrite our history and downplay our Christian heritage. We need to look back and learn. We need, to, we need to learn from the good things, but we also need to learn from the poor choices. Learn from the, the sins that, that, that left uh, Israel. They need to look back and remember, remember Bel Peor. Remember what happened there? Moses was reminding them, hey, do you remember what happened there? Do you remember how that, how that uh, Balak wanted to hire Balaam to curse Israel and God wouldn't let him curse them? And so when they, when they, couldn't, when they could not uh, defeat them on the battlefield uh, of, of Balak and under his leadership, when they couldn't destroy him on the battlefield, they wanted to destroy him through wrong friendships. When they could not destroy Israel with the sword, they thought they'd destroy him with a seductive smile. And the men of Israel were seduced by the women of Belpeor and the idolaters, and they had fornication with them, they had sexual contact with them, and they worshiped their idols, and God judged them for that. And Moses is saying, listen, you better not forget what God did at Belpeor. You better learn. You better learn from the wrong choices. Is everybody listening to this here this morning? Have you learned from your wrong choices? Have you learned how destructive sin is? You know the best way to learn that? Watch what it does to others and then stay away from it. Learn from that. But then when you, when you get off on the wrong path and, and, it's, and the way of the transgressor is hard, then realize, you know what? It wasn't my service to God that caused that pain in my life. It was me serving myself that caused that pain. And there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I was hiking in, uh, down in the Wichita Mountains not too long ago. I was in the Sharon Gardens Trail, and, and it's a rather primitive trail. A lot of it is, at least. And, and, uh, and so I, I was having a hard time following the, following the path. And uh, I learned this. You can't just follow the creek bed or the river bed. 
It sure looked like that was a path. The creek bed and the river bed kind of went alongside each other. But when I realized, okay, I just left the path. Would you agree with this? That there are some times in life that it's hard to discern which way to go. God's word will guide you. I've got a trail guide on my, my phone uh, and uh, I should have upgraded to the pro level. I didn't. I was the amateur level. And I didn't have signal. <laughs> and when I finally realized how to get back to the path, I tell you, I was quite relieved. Some of you have been off God's path. Been away from God out there on your own doing your thing and you realize, man, this is not where I need to be. Aren't you glad God's word will help you get back? There was one particular part of that little hike that you go across some boulders and there's actually a path through there. And, and I, I truly believe that God allowed my phone to work just for that little section and I found the path. Hey, I want to thank God this never goes out of power. And you're, <laughs> you're never out of you're never out of service right here. When you got God's word, it'll guide you. But you got to listen. And then you got to learn from the wrong choices that you're making. You got to listen. You got to learn. As Moses is instructing them, you got to listen. You got to learn from these things and cleave to the Lord and be close to God and, and, and watch how He benefits your life. Number three, you got to do this live what you've, what you've read. You gotta, you gotta, uh, you, you've got to listen to what God is saying, you got to learn from it, and then live it. Do it. I believe that's where we get in a lot of danger is that we know what God has said, but we don't want to do it. Loving God, loving America, rather, our country, God's way, means that we listen to what God says. It means that we, that we also learn from the blessings of the past and the mistakes of the past, but it also means this, having listened and learned, then we live it then you live it. You live it. Our very ability to survive, even as a nation, depends on us doing what we know is right. Listen to this. We have no government armed with power capable of continuing with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Our constitution was not made for a was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any other. John Adams. We have staked, another quote, we have staked the whole future of American civilization, not on the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. James Madison, chief architect of the Constitution. One more. And yet liberals today are saying there is no mention of God, no reference of God, no starting of this nation under God. And it, here are our founding fathers saying, if we don't govern ourselves according to what God's word says, we're not going to make it as a nation. That's what they said. We ought to be no less persuaded that the smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself hath ordained. I'm going to read that one again. 
We ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself hath ordained. George Washington, 1789. In other words, what I'm trying to get across here is that even our founding fathers understood that the American mindset is this. It's not government controlling. It's us understanding the word of God and controlling ourselves. Which means then that truly you need to be born again. How many times in this text did we point out that God said here, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. And I say to you here this morning, for the love of God and for the love of America, listen, take heed to yourself. Don't give yourself any slack. Don't say, well, it won't be a big deal. I, 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 can, I can dabble into this a little bit. It won't hurt me. Oh, listen, friend, listen, there's more than just you at stake here. It's your family, it's your marriage, it's your friendships, it's your church life. Listen, you better take heed to yourself. Listen, learn, live it. And then number four, lead. Lead your children and your grandchildren. Lead others that are under your influence. He says uh, in verse nine, forgetfulness, lest you forget he talks about forgetting, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligent, lest you forget. Verse number 25, he says, when you beget children and children's children and you remained a long time in the land. You know what he's recognizing right there? There's a danger that as time goes along, that the subsequent generations will not understand what it was that brought you to this place. And so there you have the, the nation of Israel as they were coming into the land of Canaan under Joshua. They knew, listen, they knew that it was God that brought them there. They knew that it was God that gave them that victory. And, and as long as Joshua was there and Caleb and, and they were having that victory and they were looking to God, I'm telling you, God was blessing. But you just go a generation later and there's a generation that did not know the Lord. The book of Judges. It doesn't mean that they didn't have intellectual knowledge of Jehovah because they did. But what it says there is they did not know the Lord. In other words, they did not have a personal relationship with him like Joshua and Caleb did. And so that second generation got further away from God. And then the generation after that got further away from God and further away from God. Listen, here's what we've got to do. We've got to understand who God is and understand it's not just my mama's God. It's not just your daddy's God. It's not your grandfather's God. It's got to be your God. Some young people that fell asleep here this morning. Hang on, let me, let, let me get them up. Wake, wake up, wake up right here. Listen, listen, for, for this church even to go on and for it to be the kind of church it ought to be, and by the way, the kind of marriage I think that you really want and kind of family that you really want, it's got to be your God, not just your daddy's God. Amen. Moses is saying, listen, you better take heed to yourself right here and you better listen to what the Word of God is saying to you and you better learn from what it's saying to you and you better live it yourself and you better live it in such a way that you can pass it on to your children and your grandchildren because if you don't, then you get in a place where you lose what you've got. Because here's the danger. You can think that freedom, freedom is really doing whatever I want to. No, friend, that's a mistake. Jesus said that he that sins is a servant of sin. Here's what happens when, when you think, okay, I'm going to throw off these laws and these rules to live the way that we want to live. You think that's bringing freedom, but actually it's bringing bondage. Is that right? Either going away from it or trying to expand 
expand law or liberties to involve that or include that which is unrighteous before God. That's not liberty. That's servitude to sin. We'll lose our whole country. In fact, we can lose our whole church and you'll lose your whole family if you get in a place where you think that you're free to do what is not right in the eyes of God. I'm going to run that by you one more time. You'll, we'll lose this church. We'll lose this country. You'll lose your family. You'll lose your marriage. You'll lose your Christian testimony. If you think you can do what is not right in the eyes of God, just because you're free to do it. You're not free to do it. You got to listen to this. You got to learn from this. You got to make a choice here today. I'm going to, I'm going to live this so then I can lead others. There's a lot of ways that you can get off the path. How did our beloved country get where it is? One step at a time. I'm away from the laws of God. I'm thankful for some of the steps that they've taken, we've taken back. I'm thankful for the Supreme Court decision that's taken us back to respect life. All life. I'm thankful for that. That's a blessing. But there's other ways that we're drifting further and further away from God. What should we do as believers? Well, we ought to be right with God ourselves. You truly love America? Don't just wave a flag and wear, wear a shirt that's patriotic. Live for God. Really live for God. That's how you love America. Live for God, young people. Live for God, families. Don't just give lip service, oh man, I love America. Then if you love America, live for God. Hmm. I'm going to quote John Phillips again. What an enemy an ungodly man is to his country. Loudly as he may talk of his patriotism. Now listen, John Phillips was from England. Okay, originally. He came to this country, but he was from England. He said, loudly as he may talk, he's talking about an ungodly man being an enemy to his own country. Loudly as he may talk of his patriotism. Beloved Britain, he says. We would say, beloved America. Beloved United States of America. He, was, he goes on. Now, now, get, get this, it used to be that even the, the location on the earth that was sending out the most missionaries was from England and Ireland and Scotland and that area. Nation highest in the profession of righteousness. For thee we rejoice with trembling. Let the little remnant in the midst of thee remember their high responsibility. Let them take care that their personal and relative profession add to the righteousness, not to the sin of the nation. Do you see what he's saying? Do you see, you see what he's saying here today, folks? He's saying, listen, if you really love your country, then make sure, make sure that your life is adding to the righteousness of that country, not to the sin of that country. Let them plead 
Let them plead for their country's true prosperity with humiliation, faith, and constancy. Let them labor for her exaltation with more union of heart. In other words, he's recognizing this. Righteousness exalted the nation, but, but sin is a shame to any people. It's a reproach rather to any people. Proverbs 14, 34. Are you listening to this? Are you learning from this? Are you really living this? Are you a foe or an ally of your country, given the state of how you're living your life? And then are you teaching your kids and your grandkids and teaching them diligently to say, listen, son or daughter, God gave us this land. But we could sure lose it. Not America. Somebody might say, not America. Hey, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What nation on earth has God spoken to audibly? What nation has God spoken to through the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses, etc., etc. What, what nation was given the scriptures? What nation was given the Messiah? I mean, is there any other nation like Israel and yet God dealt with them that way? Do you think that God would somehow give us a bite because we're the United States of America? If he dealt that way with Israel, do you not think that he would deal with us? And, and in fact, God can't, God doesn't judge the nations in eternity. He judges individuals in eternity. He judges nations here and now. Even Thomas Jefferson said that he trembled for his country when he thinks about the wrath of God. Say, so preacher, you've expended a lot of energy today. And you've said a lot today. But what difference can it really make? It can make a difference in that life. And in that life, and in that life, and in this life, and in that life, and in those lives can make a difference in other lives. I, I get it. I understand. I was, I was, I'll close with this. I was running the other day, and I, I saw a, a nail on the side of the road. And I, I, first of all, I ran by it. Not that I was having great time. I wasn't making any kind, breaking any kind of records at all. I just wanted to be done. But it hit my conscience. Pick up that nail. I don't know if God was anywhere involved in that. I'm not, I'm not trying to read any more into this, but I thought, you know what? I've had nails in my tires before. So, this is, and part, of, part of me was saying this. This is a back road. This is north of 10th Street, um, up Penile and, and over, way, way back in there. I mean, hardly any cars dropped. What's it going to bother? Well, you'll be glad to know on 12th Street you can drive and there's one less nail on that road because I ran back and I picked it up. It's just one sermon. You say it feels like two. It's just one sermon. And if somebody was sitting here today and said, you know, the Word of God is right. And I've learned the hard way, when you live your own life in your own way, it is terrible. By the grace of God, I'm going to live for God. 
And I haven't been leading my family, but I want to lead my family. What I'm saying to you is pick up the nail and get rid of it. Make a difference. We talk about it, won't we do something about it? Father, thank you. We love our country. We rejoice when there's righteous decisions made. Be a token of ingratitude, an example of ingratitude if we didn't stop and thank you for right decisions made by Supreme Court or other courts. Whether it's about a man kneeling on the 50-yard line and praying or whether it's about the life that's in the womb. God, we rejoice in right decisions. But also, dear God, we would be very naive to say that we're a nation that is truly a Christian nation, a Christ-like nation, or a righteous nation. Oh God, there's wickedness in our land. There's a lack of conviction even among your people. God, I pray that you'd send us a Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost revival, even just right here at Southwest Baptist Church, that you'd root out the evil from among us, that you'd have, God, that you'd see to it that there's another generation coming up that's not just getting through a service, but that they're engaged and they're listening and they see how it applies to their life. And while Moses couldn't go with them into the promised land, your word would go with them and you would go with them. And God, today I know I'm preaching to people and teachers taught this morning. They won't get to go to work, but your word can go to work with your people and go into their homes and so forth. God, I thank you for that. And so I pray today, dear God, that your Holy Spirit would stir us for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of our dear Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here. This morning, Brother Jim's going to lead us in page 505. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way.